Hey everybody, morning, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so grateful that you took time out to join us as we talk about an important topic today. We're talking about the opioid crisis that, and the settlement that took place a couple days ago in Ohio and what it means for most of us and what it means for people who are embroiled in this crisis. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about the Sackler family, their net worth and what they have done and how they tried to hide the money, right? <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that living big off of other people's sadness, right? So uh, a few days ago, we talked about, yesterday, we talked about uh, the nine-year-old boy who was burnt down, who burnt down his house with five people in it. So you need to listen to that that podcast, right? A nine-year-old boy who burnt his house down and his mom referred to him as a monster. And uh, we talked about that in detail. I didn't attack anybody. Uh, I understand that folks like to talk about their children and especially mothers. They love their sons. Their sons can do no wrong. And, you know, people tend to think that you know, it's my child, uh, but children, uh, someone explained to me yesterday that children are born like that. We are born wicked. It just needs to be corrected through behavior. And I'm like, I'm not even sure if that, you know, I listen to what they're saying, but they're doing it from a spiritual context that we're all born, in, you know, born insane kind of thing and so on. And I'm like, I'm not exactly sure that that's how, that, that that's what happens sometimes. Because if that were the case, then I probably would have the same tendency to want to burn down a house with my five family members in it at nine years old. I don't think so. I tend to think that the socialization that occurs inside of our homes is what causes some of these things to happen. So I want you to go back and listen to that podcast and share it with your friends, right? And it brings to mind what we're going to talk about today. It just so happens that last Monday, last Thursday, October 10th, was Mental Health Awareness Day. And I was watching CBS News this morning and I saw where Gail King, I hope I heard her correctly. She said something along the lines that we have all had issues with our mental health. And I turned around and looked like, so somebody who is going into depression all of a sudden now we're going to characterize depression as mental health. Like there is no point at which as a human, you don't have ups and downs. The extreme cases are what are treated as mental health, your inability to recover or your inability to characterize and see incidents in your life for what they are. That's your, that's where mental health is an issue, but everybody has moments when you go up and down in life. I mean, Life does not stay the same. I mean, even for children and, and young people, they have moments when you feel high, you know, feel high on the hog and you have this, you, you know, this ethereal experience or this kind of experience that makes you feel intensely what we call happy. And then you have moments when you just don't, I can't be bothered, especially when so many things happen to you, right? So I'm not so sure that I buy into the idea that we all, it, it's kind of like, in our society today, they want to level the playing field so bad. They want, no one is going to stand out because if you stand out, 
then you are, something is wrong with you because you make the rest of us look bad. So if you are excellent, you make the rest of us look bad. If you're a good athlete, you make the rest. That's why they don't like athleticism. It's this new age thinking that has emerged where everyone is the same. It's the same thing you see on the playground. Everybody walks off with a trophy. Why? Then if you're not teaching people to, there is a standard to excel for, why is everyone, why should anyone excel? That's exactly their point. Because that is what creates problems. And that's what makes little Johnny feel like he's such a loser. Well, maybe you didn't teach little Johnny to excel. Maybe you haven't taught little Johnny that everyone is not going to win. And if he doesn't win, that doesn't mean he's not a person. He needs to work harder and strive for something. That kind of attitude and thinking, I'm sorry, I'm getting riled up about it. That kind of attitude and thinking is, is is where all of this is coming from. And I know they're going to come at me with all this kind of stuff. And okay, so you want to come at me, but I don't subscribe to that idea. I remember when my daughter, my youngest daughter, was in uh, elementary school and they diagnosed her as gifted and how that became a problem. I mean, all of a sudden, the school district, Southway Public Schools, uh, the school district suddenly said that, uh, no, there are no uh, gifted children and they took them out of the gifted program and there's no, no gifted program and everyone is the same. And I was like, no, you're not. Uh, I'm like, no, you're not. If my child is pronounced gifted, she, it, it is what it is. And, and so I didn't feel like I needed to, uh, the, the ostracism that they were trying to, to make. So they withdrew the entire program because now everybody is the same. Everyone is not the same. I'm sorry. We're not, uh, to be honest with you, we're not all created equal. If we were all created equal, there would be no racism. There'd be no classism. And there definitely wouldn't have been a Bill Gates or a Mark Zuckerberg or a Steve Jobs or a Tim Cook or anybody else. There wouldn't be a Ben Carson. There wouldn't be a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James, right? Do you see what I'm saying? If we were all created equal, some people are created for excellence. Some people are created different. They have a different set of skills in terms of skill sets, and they have a different way to apply the skill set that sets them apart from everybody else. So to say that all people are created equal is a misnomer and it is an untruth because it is not. Because if that were the case, then everybody would be a Michael Jordan. Everybody would be a LeBron James, right? And everybody would be a Usain Bolt. Don't you all want to be like Usain Bolt? You take off and you're like a bolt of lightning flying down the track, right? It just does not work that way. Usain Bolt is an exception. There are plenty of people who run track, but he's the exception. I want to think that I run track too, but I, I'm no Usain Bolt. There's not going to be any bolt of lightning uh, when I get to the finish line, if I make it to the finish line. Do you see what I'm saying? So to what they're doing is leveling the playing field. And now if you have an issue, you, you, you had a divorce, you had a job loss, a significant job loss or a divorce, or people get diagnosed with a, with a major illness. If you fall into depression, you're mentally unwell, come the hell on and get over it. Get over it. People have issues. Life is not the same. See, these people live in a world where they're constantly drugged up. People who think like that, they're constantly on drugs. They, they take drugs to feel happy all day. So of course the world is going to be a different place. They take drugs to keep slender and then tell the rest of us that if you don't look like this, then something is wrong with you. 
And no matter how you work out and no matter how you eat, your body is still subject to the ravages of time. It's still subject to the ravages of aging and whatever other predispositions that your unique DNA has projected on you. But yet you live in a world where these people think that, oh, the world revolves around some new age thinking. I am like, shut up, right? If you ever been around people who are constantly and when I say constantly, constantly trying to keep slender, you will realize how irritable and miserable they are all the time. Nobody is ever going to be happy all the time or going to feel good all the time. People are going to have issues and stuff is going to come at you. Now, the, dif the difference is going to be how do you get up? Are you going to stay in it or are you going to get up? Because stuff is going to happen anyway. Now, if you continue to stay in it, and you can't come out of it. Now that is where you have a problem. Define that. But people go float in and out of depression all the time. Why? Because there are issues, right? And I, it, mental health is when people do crazy stuff. You know, you, you know when they're, they're crazy. I'm not talking about crazy like going to, to smash your, your ex-boyfriend's tires or slash his tires or scratch his car or something. I'm talking about people who stalk you. That's crazy. Define that as being mentally unwell, right? People who stalk you online, that is crazy. People who go after you and they have no reason to be connected to you and yet they're following you around, that is crazy, right? And people who have a desire, I also think that people who kill people are mentally unwell. I think anybody who uh, kills people have issues, that's just me. I just think if you can literally sit there and plan how you're going to kill someone and then before you know it, you have killed a series of people, you're mentally unwell. That's what needs to be defined as mental unwellness, not, oh, I don't feel well because my husband left me or my job left me or my lover died or my husband died or my wife died or my brother passed away from a major illness. You see, you see what I'm saying? These are the things that they need to pay attention to, right? So that's my spiel on that. But when I think about the opioid settlement, I'm thinking of all the people who ended up taking prescription drugs because they could not cope with a life issue. After sometimes it's people who have just had children, you just gave birth. And it's normal for the cessation of the hormones for you to feel depressed. So they give you a pill to make you feel better. Before you know it, you're addicted to the pill. So it's one thing to take the pill and initially your provider may prescribe the pill for a reasonable amount of time and so on. And then you become addicted to it. You Without it, you can't function. They have created the addiction. So what caused you to feel bad in the first place, you have to go to the root cause, was a life event. People have life events all the time. Stuff happens. In my own family, we've seen stuff happen right? People have things that happen to them that they internalize differently and that they have to deal with, right? And in dealing with the sum total of this, their existence, people often run into issues, right? I'm not talking about the soccer mom who is at home and bored out of her wits because she's running around crazed all day, chasing after children. That's a, that's a different thing, right? And she just needs something to cope. So it got to the stage where wine wasn't enough to cope because she can't drive drunk. So she starts popping prescription pills for anti, it's an antidepressant. So you go to the doctor and the doctors who they really ought to penalize as well are the healthcare providers. 
because the doctors have an incentive, have been given incentives by the, the, the drug makers to do what? To prescribe these pills. So they've created this whole carnacea, this, this whole thing around this idea that people are mentally unwell, let's push drugs on them. So you just need to go to your doctor and tell them that, well, you know, my mom died. They ask you, what's going on? Everything is okay. And you're like, yeah, kind of, you know, my mom died and I'm dealing with it. Or my husband passed away and I'm dealing with it. Uh, well, do you think of hurting yourself? And you're like, no, never, no. And then they're like, well, we can give you something to make you feel better. And there it starts. You become addicted. So it's not so much the drug as it's what they put in the drug. So they make the drug so addictive that you don't have any choice. And in making the drug so addictive, what happens is you end up being addicted and it owns your life. So now you can't function. So now you will do anything to get prescription. No, you'll do anything to get the drug. You will lie to your family. You will steal from your family the money you're supposed to go grocery shopping with, the money you're supposed to pay the mortgage with, the money that you're supposed to save. You take out, you will clean out your entire bank account to buy these drugs. You will figure out ingenious ways. You will create fake IDs, go to different pharmacies so you can get this drug. You will take the drug night and day, even if it means it's going to hurt you or your family. You become an addict. An addictive behavior destroys people's lives. If you really want to look at it, that addiction, that is mental unwellness. If you get to the stage where you have to rely on another stimulator or an external force to prop you up, you have issues with your hormones. Your hormones are not functioning properly. See, years ago, when I was, uh, when my divorce happened back in 2000, I was in counseling. And my counselor explained to me, that what happens is when our hormones become depleted, we become unbalanced. So we can't think right. We can't make the right decisions. And she said something I've never forgotten. She said, therapy is designed to help you think because she said the answers are within you, but until you have unburdened yourself, you can't figure out what the answers are because all you're doing is the fight or flight, right? So as long as you're, you have to fight, or run away from the problem or fight it so you're constantly on edge, you are not exercising the frontal lobe of your brain, which is where your exec executive and cognitive functions are for you to figure out what the problem is and what the solution is. You're thinking from the back of your brain where your survival mode is. And so when that happens, you are unable to distinguish between reality, to distinguish between what I should do as opposed to what I shouldn't do. This is where people feel helpless and feel like they, they give up because they can't get to the next stage. So here comes the doctor with a the, with the prescription pad. And the doctor writes out a prescription that tells, that says it is designed to help you make your mind clearer. Your mind is clear for all of like the first five minutes of taking the drug. After that, all it produces is a craving to want to have the drug. So by the time it starts wearing off, you have a craving for it. That's what addiction is. It's a craving. See, our bodies are chemical in the first place. So when you introduce chemical substances to our bodies, you created the perfect environment because now your body, the chemicals in your body that interact with the chemicals that are in the drug, 
your body develops a craving for this thing and wants it all the time, wants it more than you want food, wants it more than you need or want the love of your family and your friends. And sometimes they've often said that people lack a support system or they lack a group of people around them to keep them going. That's not necessarily true because sometimes people have good support systems. Sometimes they do have support systems, but the nature of addiction and the cravings that it produces invariably causes people to to withdraw from these social groupings. And the addictive behavior is so bad that it alienates friends and family who would be the support system because they can't understand it because you and I are standing on the sidelines watching our loved one become addicted to something and you're like why why do you have to take it why does it control you and they can't explain it and they lie and they steal from you and they can't tell you why it controls them but that's what it does it produces a craving so is the opioid settlement justified I'm not sure I don't think that anything is ever going to replace human life I think the moral issue that stands out for me is the fact that I went to the doctor and I told the doctor that I had, I felt bad because I was not coping well with the loss of a job or with a divorce or with my husband cheating on me or my wife threatening to leave me or a family member dying or a child in school or in college or you lost a child or some other life or you lost a lot of money on the stock market. So the moral issue is you went to the doctor and told the doctor that it was then up to the doctor to prescribe something that could help you to cope. I didn't say to prescribe something that contributes to your cravings, but to help you to cope. To me, the doctors are on the hook. They're just as liable. They are the problem. It's not just, so they went after the problem, the sword, the source, the drug makers who make the drugs, guess what? The drug makers are going to make another drug. They have money to do research and development. They're going to do what? They're going to make another drug. In fact, what I've read this morning says there's a drug called Suboxone that is made by an Israeli manufacturer, Teva, that actually reduces the cravings. So again, who is morally on the hook? The doctor. So at the same time he's prescribing you the pill to make you the happy pill, to make you feel better, he could have also given you Suboxone, the pill that reduces your craving for the happy pill. So who is on the line? The doctor. It's not just the the drug maker, it's the doctor as well. The doctor is just as liable. The doctor is just as liable. My friends, we gotta get to the stage where we start holding these things accountable. And I'm saying to all of us, when you go to the doctor and you think you are bearing your soul to your doctor, your doctor is nothing but a data data statistician who is collecting all this data, uploading it into a file where they keep a record somewhere. All of our medical records are uploaded somewhere. So all of a sudden there's this grand B computer, I call it Oscar in the sky, that has all the information on you. That one is most likely to go commit suicide. That one is most likely to go shoot the place up. That one is most likely to go use a a AR-15. That one is most likely to go bunkers, target them from now. You know how I know this to be true? So I went to the doctor and my mom had a history. My mom developed a cancer. The cancer 
is less than 1% of the population. It's non-hereditary. Listen to me closely. It is non-hereditary, which means it's not something that she inherited from anybody. It's not something she can give to anybody, right? It's non-hereditary. They didn't even, it didn't even have a Wikipedia page when we first explored it in 2014. They didn't even have a Wikipedia page. There was no information on it, no treatment. They just used the standard chemotherapy treatment and that didn't work, right? Now, what happens is I was the one who opened my big mouth and told my doctor that my mother had died from this kind of cancer. All of a sudden, for the last four years, every time I go to my doctor, she's testing me for it. Disguised as prevention, it is more likely they're tracking to make sure that they set a trap, that at some point I'm gonna fall into a trap where they're gonna have some drugs to prescribe to give me. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's up to me to accept that or what am I going to do about it? Heck no. The first doctor, mom's doctor already told us it was non-hereditary. Why do you keep harping on it? So I have an appointment scheduled to go back to my doctor and I'm going to ask that question. Why do you keep harping on it? Because it seems to me that ever since I disclosed that, that's what you're trying to tell me. When if I hadn't disclosed it, you wouldn't have anything to say. It's just like, do you see what I'm saying? So the doctors are in, the doctors are the ones who are at fault. It's not just the drug companies. It's the doctors as well. Because you go to the doctor, in order for the way the system is designed, it's designed around money. It's not about treating. It's not about treat, treat, uh, diagnose and treat. It's about what? It is about making money. So the edict that doctors have is to heal. They're not in the business of healing. They're in the business of creating dependencies for you to keep coming back so they can make money. Think about it. Every time you go into the doctor's office, the doctor is paid by the insurance company. If the doctor were not being paid by the insurance company, they would not be calling you to schedule your appointment. Hello, somebody. Have you felt hounded by your doctor? So now they have, um, they have these automated phone calls. So you sign up when you go in, okay, you can reach me by phone. I don't mind. You're thinking they're only going to call you once a year. No, they're calling you every three months. Time for you to come in and get a checkup, a follow-up. So what is that telling you? It's about, it's about marketing. It's about marketing. That's what that's telling you. It's about marketing. It's about money. It's all about the Benjamin. So don't fall into their trap. That's the message. Do not fall into their trap. So you have an issue. Deal with your issue. If you feel that you must get some medical treatment for it, then go to the doctor and tell them, but tell them I don't want a pill that I'm going to be addicted to. Is that pill likely to be an addiction? Pull your damn phone out and right there in the doctor's office, pull your phone out and look up the name of the pill that the doctor is going to give you and read it and say, is this pill likely to be make me addicted? Then if it is, please don't write me that prescription. Find me a pill that won't make me addicted. But we blindly trust our doctors. They put on a white coat. So we accept, we can't see inside our bodies. So we think doctors are magicians. They magically can't see inside of us. I am now beginning to think, honest to God, I'm now beginning to think that a lot of this is guesswork. It's guesswork. They're guessing whether or not this thing is going to work or not. And guess who is the loser? You and I are. Because oops, I made a mistake. Oops, I made a mistake and the person dies. Oops, 
oh well i made an incorrect guess next time i see something like this that's a correct guess to make because now that you really sit down and think about it how do they really know what's going on in your body I'm, i kid you not it's like when my mom got sick the second time i asked the doctor how did you miss it i said how did you miss it you just told her less than a year ago that she was cancer free so how you missed it how did you not check her did you run all the tests did you tell her to come in every six weeks to run tests no did you run the final test no so how you missed this it's what i was convinced from then that it was all guesswork so we hold doctors to a high standard we think they're magicians in the sky there's some kind of fairy godmother and fairy godfather who knows everything about our bodies so we go to them and we unburden ourselves because we think it's safe not realizing that all you are to them is what money so they're holding you accountable and they are looking for your money i don't want to freak you out but it is what it is and when, so you have to start looking at, at at your doctor from the perspective of money so you have to look at your doctor not just as an individual but you look at your doctor who else is in the practice with them who owns the practice who do they partner with and when you start looking at it and looking behind them you begin to see the great big money machine it is you ever wonder if you and your doctor live in the same neighborhood right okay so we don't live in the same neighborhood well where do you live how the hell you can afford to live there how much money do you make so you go www.google.com that seems to have most of the answers and you google how much a doctor makes you can even google how much your doctor makes it's gonna be mind-blowing you're like dang no wonder you want me to come in every month no wonder you want me to come in every three months because i am money to you and my friends that's what we need to understand we need to get into this place where we recognize that they we are just we you, for your doctor for you to go to your doctor your doctor is looking at you and every year you are worth fifteen thousand dollars to her so she's gonna run all sorts of tests and those tests are expensive they don't cost five dollars right she didn't go to medical school for a test to cost five dollars so the test she's gonna run all the tests that she can he can he she or he right they're gonna look at you up and down and how much are you worth ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year so if they have if a typical partnership has what four three four hundred people times ten to fifteen thousand how much is that you begin to see how much they're being paid right how much it is worth you really think that they're not going to find a diagnosis, especially in today's world where they say people have a predisposition because of ethnicity. You're predisposed to having this. I'm like, no, I'm not. I didn't grow up eating like a slave. I didn't grow up eating that. I've lived well all my life. I've, you know, and you start saying, I don't think I fit into that. Or if you grew up in a certain place or if you live in a certain place, you have a likely predisposition to that. And you're like sucks major but no or you can say well my mother weighed 400 pounds but here i am weighing 120 or my mother weighed 120 pounds but here i am weighing 400 pounds the reason i weigh this much is because i over it do you see what i'm saying <laughs> right so so when you look at the opioid settlement you you imagine your doctor this is you sitting in front of your doctor oh doc you know 
you know, I'm having a little problem coping with life and, you know, sometimes I don't feel happy and I don't want to roll out of bed and when I get up, I have to drink a little. And the doctor said, okay, I can write you something. I'm going to give you a pill. You take this once a day or whenever you feel like it. And when you run out, you let me know. And you're like, thank you, doc. And you walk out and you go and you get your pill. I know you're all laughing at me. And that's your fix and you get the pill. Then you start getting more and more. So you start thinking about it. Well, remember we talked about the exercise in which we started looking at who is our doctor, right? Then who owns the practice? Because they have to answer to someone, right? So who owns the practice that your doctor is in? You gotta examine that. How is that operated? What are the modalities? Where's the money? Who owns the money? Who is getting the money? You gotta look at that, right? So once you start looking at that, you're like, well, what is the incentive for my doctor to stay in business? You know what the incentive is? Who provides that incentive? The drug companies. The drug companies tell the doctor, if you write this much prescription, you get this, you get that. There are always kickbacks. They're just highly hidden. Trust me, I worked in healthcare. There are kickbacks. 